Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Gateway Rescue Mission, meeting the physical and spiritual needs of the homeless right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Check us out at www.gatewaymission.org. It's a great time to live in Mississippi, and we're talking about it. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show, where we celebrate every single day from the Citizens Bank Studio, the people who are working so hard to make Mississippi such a great place to live, work, and play. But it is Friday on this show, and uh, I'm thrilled to have my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune. And um, let's start by just saying good morning to my buddy, Jeff. How you doing, man? Doing good, Ricky. Good to hear from you again. Busy off-season, ready to talk about it. Yeah, it is a busy. Listen, uh, I, I I try to say this every week, but folks should sign up for the NOLA.com Saints newsletter. There are a bunch of other newsletters there for you to get as well, but the Saints newsletter is terrific. Um, what the team at, at NOLA.com and the Times-Picayune does is they share responsibility for writing those daily newsletters. And the one that came in this morning was written by our friend Jeff Duncan. And, you know, when you look at it, it gives you kind of the headlines. Uh, first of all, we have the NFL scouting combine that's going on. And then it gets into the, the league mandated salary cap. We got some good news there as it relates to that, that helped reduce a little bit of the stress on that. Jeff can give us an update on that. There's a great salary cap tracker at NOLA.com. And then uh, they've actually brought in a new uh, former GM to, into the, uh, and actually formerly with the Raiders, into the front office that's going to be giving some draft consultation to the Saints. So there's a lot to talk about. So how have you been, my friend? I've been good. Uh, you know, I'm not in Indy. Our beat writers, uh, Luke Johnson and Matt Paris, are up there. I'm actually looking forward. I'm going over to Lake Charles this weekend to um, write a feature story about Will Wade, the former LSU coach, who's, I mean, it's one of the best stories in college basketball, Ricky. I mean, they're 25-3, and three, McNeese State. That area, if you're familiar, has just been devastated by storms in southwest Louisiana, Hurricane Laura. Uh, came through there, of course. They had flooding, so it's been a real uplifting story. I'm looking looking forward to getting over there, seeing how the area is recovered, and then going to a basketball game. And what we can what we see sometimes, Ricky, is sports can serve as a conduit for a community. We saw it in New Orleans after Katrina and the New Orleans Saints, and a very similar story is kind of playing out over in Lake Charles with this basketball team. They they lost 23 games a year ago, and they've won 25 this year. Remarkable turnaround, and Will Wade, of course, former LSU coach. So there's a lot of meat on that bone, if you will, for a journalist. That, that's awesome. It's good to see you're getting a chance to do that. So you don't necessarily, you know, you've been to the scouting combine probably countless times during your career. Of course, oh, yeah. Luke, Luke Johnson and Matthew Paris are there from your team. Um, you're not, you're not, you're not feeling any regret not being there, are you? Well, it's gotten to be, uh, you know, like a lot of things that we cover these days, Ricky. Uh, a TV event for the NFL Network. They want to get as much bang for their buck from the broadcast. So really going to the, I mean, there was days in the past, years in the past where you could go and have all kinds of access to the players and coaches. And now everything's very regimented, very formalized. You get one little press conference with your uh, general manager or coach, uh, the prospects you can talk to, but it's just not nearly as accessible to the journalists as it used to be. And what, 
what really is the most important thing for the journalists to go up there, like our beat writers, is not the draft process. And that's what everybody sees, these testing that will all be coming up today, starting today and tomorrow, where you watch TV and you watch the 40-yard dash and the three-cone drill. That's not what's important. What's important is this is really the start of the league year. Uh, what I mean by that is this is the start of the 2024 NFL season. The real free agency period starts in a few weeks. And right now, all the jockeying, negotiating groundwork is being laid by agents in meetings with decision makers around the league, like Mickey Loomis, like Mike Parenton, the, the pro personnel director. They'll be having meetings all week. So this is where you're going to start to see news, and we're already seeing it across the league, leak out. So-and-so's on the trade market. So-and-so's being offered. Uh, they're going to restructure this guy. This uh, player is going to be a cut candidate, or this player is getting cut. All that comes out now. That's really what you're there to get, not necessarily to evaluate the cornerbacks and the defensive ends. We've still got two months to go before the draft. There'll be plenty of time for that. It's more about the behind-the-scenes negotiations. Yeah, I told you the story once when the combine was in New Orleans. This has been a long time ago. It might have been in the 80s. I, don't, I have to go back and check the date on this. But I had gone over to Tulane with another guy from uh, the Sun-Herald to do some management training. We stayed at the Hyatt Regency, and the combine was happening there. And Oakland had just won the Super Bowl. Uh, Coach Flores was there. And what I remember about the, the environment was really relaxed. And so we were sitting there. He didn't even know who we were from Adam. And uh, we said, well, Coach, how you doing? Congratulations on the Super Bowl. And he immediately says, hey, you guys want a drink? He bought us a drink. He sat with us for a second. I mean, I was blown away by that. <laughs> this is this is the story where I was over on the piano. I, there was a piano over, this grand piano over in the corner, and I was – you know, banging on it a little bit with some blues. And Al Davis came up and he put, I don't know how much money on the piano. And he, and he wanted me to play chariots of fire. Do you remember me telling you the story? That's hilarious. <laughs> said, I said, I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know chariots of fire. No, you don't understand. I want to hear chariots of fire. I said, no, sir. I'm just, I just happened to be here and I know how to play some blues, but I don't know chariots of fire. And he just kind of grabbed his money and walked off. That's I don't hilarious. know what was so special about Chariots of Fire, but but I remember the environment was so relaxed, man. I mean, it's it's not it's not so much like that anymore now that you've got TV involved and all this kind of rigorous schedule. It's different, isn't it? Yeah, look, I, I can remember my earliest days, uh, myself and Brian Alley Walsh, my colleague. We broke the story. This is in 2000 that Ricky Williams was on the trade block and was involved in trade talks with the Miami Dolphins, which is what ended up happening a few weeks later. And Brian and I had heard that the Dolphins' entire coaching staff and front office were having dinner at the Ruth's Chris uh, there in downtown. And we went and sat at the bar and stalked that group until they got up and left and we ambushed them on their way out and got Dave Weinstadt, of course, former, former Dolphins coach, on the record to talk about it. And that's what you do in journalism. I mean, you hang out. You, you, sometimes you're spending two hours uh, waiting just for the right moment. But those are my early fond memories. And also, I remember distinctly going out. There's there's a couple of late night bars there where the coaches go out and kind of blow off steam. And uh, there's one that is famous for playing 80s music. It's called Ike and Jonesy's. And I distinctly remember Wade Phillips, of course, former Saints assistant coach, son of Bum Phillips, uh, 
Wade Phillips was a dancer, Ricky, and he would go out there and dance all night on this dance floor, this 80s music. It was a really good dancer, and and all the other coaches would come out and join him. I mean, that's the kind of stuff going on there. It's really like a convention for the NFL because all the coaches are there, all the front office people, all the agents, they all convene on this. And one thing about Indianapolis, just like New Orleans, it's a small downtown footprint. So you can get everywhere really easily on foot and you know where everybody's kind of at. You'll hear, oh, there's a lot of coaches over at this steakhouse. And everybody kind of descends on those those few nightlife spots. And it just becomes like a, a scene. It's, it's always great there. And I will say this. I mean, it has changed a little bit. The Saints have a huge contingent up there. I wrote about that this week on social media. They've got their entire scouting staff, their entire coaching staff. They've got ancillary people, support staff up there. They've got a massive contingent, maybe one of the largest in the NFL, whereas a lot of teams now are not even sending their coaches anymore because all the interviews that are conducted by the personnel departments, they can uh, do them on Zoom. So the coaches can sit in on them, ask questions from their home offices. So we're seeing a trend where a lot of coaches aren't there. Saints are going in the opposite direction. They've always sent a large contingent, and they're continuing to do so. You know what's interesting about taking that approach, though, and as, as Luke Johnson and Matthew Paris are doing as well, developing sources and developing relationships and whatever, but you never know what you're going to hear. You know, if you just keep your ear, I'm saying, you know, if I'm a scout and I'm socializing and I'm listening and I'm, you never know what kind of information you're going to pick up, be, be picking up on. That's actually could be very critical, couldn't it? It happens all the time. I mean, what, what happens a lot of times is you'll hear something about another team, like an agent or an assistant or a personnel guy will tell you something going on with another team and then you can help out a colleague and what goes around comes around. They help you out when they hear a tidbit about your team. Like you might be talking to a, uh, you know, an agent about a, a prospect in free agency, and you may say, "Well, no, your team's not interested." But boy, the Bears are really—they've already laid the groundwork. And so you let your buddy that covers the Bears know, and he'll do likewise for you. A lot of that going on. You also have to temper it a little bit. You have to have instincts because. There's a lot of lying going on. I mean, there's a lot of agents <laughs> trying to set maybe a, a a market for their client that might not even be that might not be real or not be there. They're trying to do their best by their by the player. So there's just a lot of information coming and going. That's why we're going to see a lot of it coming out uh, right now in the national media and and through our guys uh, with the picky. Mm-hmm. Caginess can play out in so many different forms, can it? <laughs> yeah, I would, a lot of smoke screens, you know. I would, I would imagine, but you know what? You know, when people get having a drink and whatever, they get a little loose lips, so people can make mistakes. So you just you never know, man. You never know what you're going to hear. But uh, you know, you you had your headline on your on your newsletter saying money matters, and uh, there's there's a lot going on around the around the salary cap right now. You got a you got some work that has to be done before the March deadline. When we come back on the other side, Jeff, we'll talk a little bit more about what the Saints are is, are up to as it relates to the salary cap. So you know, rumors around Marshawn Lattimore, maybe he you know he's still in play, or maybe other players are in play. We'll get the latest from you on that. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune.
passion and love for Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. We have my friend Jeff Duncan from NOLA.com and the Times Picayune talking about the Saints. And, uh, you know, the salary cap's a big deal. And, and you and I have talked about this many times before, but the efforts to create parity in the league have been very successful. The uh, the efforts to, to make teams sort of financially viable, especially in the small market teams like uh, like New Orleans and, and Green Bay and, and so on, so they've really done a good job. And the salary cap plays a big role in all that, doesn't it? Well, because it's a hard cap, you know, I guess a hard cap. It, it depends on how you look at it. But the NFL's put these um, parameters in on spending on the roster to try and create parity. So everyone's operating with a kind of a level playing field. And I think that's one of the big reasons why the league's been so successful, because everyone uh, there is no huge advantage for the big market teams and more lucrative markets. Uh, it, it enables Markets like New Orleans and Green Bay and Buffalo to compete at the highest level of the league, along with the Dallases and the Los Angeles and New Yorks. And that, to me, that's been the genius of the NFL. There's always hope. Matter of fact, my column, and you probably haven't seen it yet because it just posted on NOLA.com, is, is about how the NFL, the beauty of the league, is that you're just one really good offseason away from getting back in it. I mean, look at, look at the Houston Texans. A year ago, I think when every Saints fan looked at the schedule and saw the Saints were playing the Texans, they said, well, that's a win, right? Well, they had gone out and hired D'Amico Ryans. They brought in Bobby Slowick to be their offensive coordinator. They draft C.J. Stroud. They draft Will Anderson from Alabama. And they ended up being one of the final eight teams in the whole NFL. I mean, they win a playoff game. They beat the Saints. Uh, one offseason, and they did it all. And the Saints have done that in the past. I wrote about this today. I listed my the best offseasons I've covered in my tenure here, this is going to be my 25th year covering the team. So it's it's kind of a, a hallmark, a landmark moment for me, 25 years covering one team. So I've seen a lot. And I've seen in 2000, the Saints were 3-13 and 13 under Mike Ditka the year before, bringing Randy Mueller, Jim Hazlitt. They go out and get Joe Horn in free agency. They get uh, Jeff Blake. They fix the quarterback situation. They go 10-6, and six, win, win the division. It happens. We saw it in 2006 here. So there's hope. For, for the Saints. I know it's been bleak. They've lost, had three seasons of not making the playoffs, but if they can execute this offseason, and it's handicapped a little bit by the cap, like you're talking about, but if they can execute well in the free agency and, and draft market, uh, they could be right back in the mix next year. Well, they are. They're good at it. They're good at kicking the kicking the ball down uh, down the way a, a bit as, as it relates to the salary cap. And uh, but they've got still some work to do, don't they? Yeah, you know, look, they always get there. I, I'm never, you know, it's funny. I'm not a big salary cap economics guy. I just, I, I know they're going to get there. It's inevitable. I, I feel like fans kind of get into the jockeying a little bit, but once it's done, no one's talking about it. I mean, they did it last year. They got into the cap. No one sits around a month later and goes, "Well, let's talk about the salary." I mean, I know they're going to get there. It's inevitable. They have to get there. You have to be cap compliant. So. I don't see, you know, these, none of these stories excite me. They moved $8 million of, of what, what is interesting to me, and I've written about this, the reason the Saints are able to do all this maneuvering, the reason they're able to uh, account the way they do uh, with these restructures is because they have enormous cash flow. And that's a credit 
to the deal they were working they worked out with the New Orleans Saints. I can remember when I first started covering I'm sorry with the state of Louisiana. They have such cash flow out there and to be able to do what you're doing you have to have cash up front to to move money into a signing bonus and give the player the money up front. The player wants the cash in hand. And they they in the past they never could do that. A lot of teams still can't do it. Saints are very lucrative for a small market team and what the state of Louisiana has done is enabled them to be very competitive at a high level with this deal they have. So this ca- cash up front money, the whatever signing bonus they do, does not count toward the salary cap? It does, but you're able to amortize it over multiple years toward the cap. So if you yeah. give a player, you have five years on your contract, you give them $10 million up front, it only counts $2 million per year on the cap. It amortizes over the five life of the contract. That's why it's more beneficial for, for a team to be able to give cash up front because it, it doesn't count as much, but you got to have the cash to give it up front. Whereas, it, it, you know, the salary, if a player has a $10 million base salary, that's paid out over the course of the season. And uh, now it's 18 game checks each week. Money is deposited in the player's account, uh, just like you or I. So it's, it's, it's different accounting. The base salary is different than the cash up front. But there were years, I can remember Randy Mueller telling me, like, they didn't have enough money, cash on hand. A lot of teams don't because we're talking tens of millions of dollars. They had to uh, they had to basically pay installments on those signing bonuses. You're going to get $4 million here. Six months later, we'll give you another installment of $4 million because they, they just literally didn't have the cash to pay it all. Now they do. And I think that's a very underrated aspect of the Saints operation that not a lot of people know. And it's because of this deal they have with the state of Louisiana. Okay, so there's still discussions around Marshawn Lattimore, but, but and you can you can relate specifically to what the coach said recently about that. But more important, you've been saying from the beginning that you wouldn't be surprised to see a net big name get traded if the Saints could get some value. Yeah, look, I, I think that's the way it was going after the season. I talked about this on our podcast the other day. It's interesting to see if the Saints still feel that way after the season talking to a lot of people in the building, it felt like there was going to be some big changes to a lot of big-name players. Now, there's been a, a period of time, you know, time time kind of tends to change things. Do the Saints still feel that way internally? They've kind of kept everything close to the vest. That's exactly how Mickey Loomis likes to operate, and it doesn't surprise me, but we'll see if they follow through with some of these moves. Uh, players like Marshawn Lattimore or Alvin Kamara or Mike Thomas – uh, those are the three in particular that I've speculated might not be back next year. One, all three, two, who knows? Uh, I think Mike Thomas, I'll be surprised if he's back. But he's a different situation because they're probably going to have to move on from him here in, a, in about a week uh, because of his contract. He becomes a free agent. Uh, the other guys, Kamara and Lattimore, have multi-year contracts. They're under contract. So to move on from them, you'd have to trade them. And that becomes very, because of the Saints cap situation, becomes a little more complicated. Dave Ziegler, former GM at Raiders, has joined the Saints. You think that's a good move? Yeah, look, I'm sure he's familiar with Jeff Ireland. Jeff Ireland said he's known him for years. Uh, You remember the the Saints, after the season, lost Cody Rager to the Broncos. He was basically Jeff Ireland's right-hand man uh, in the scouting department. And I think this is probably a move to – they haven't replaced Cody's position. So there's a a hole in the personnel department with Cody now in Denver – and so I think Dave Ziegler probably is just helping out, uh, giving them another set of experienced eyes and 
uh, on some of these prospects so they can evaluate for the draft. Hey, one of the things the Saints do at the end in the short time we have left is they do a scorecard from the players. And uh, cafeteria didn't do well. They're about to fix that. But what what was your read on the scores? Yeah, look, I, I think my read is these players, man, they complain a lot. <laughs> they got a pretty nice <laughs> life. I've been in the Saints cafeteria. It's it's great. They're getting a brand new one. It's going to be off the charts, state of the art. Uh, I don't think we need to read too much into that. I, I think, uh, you know, NFL players are used to living a pretty pampered life. And I think when they're complaining about that cafeteria, if you or I walked in there and I've been in there many times, you'd be like, oh, my God, this is the greatest array of food items, all healthy you'd ever want. <laughs> but uh, when you're when you're relatively speaking compared to the, some of the other leagues, they probably are a little bit short. They gave their head coach a B minus. Yeah, that, that's that's about right. I can see that right now. I mean, the, the guys at the bottom of the league are the ones that aren't winning. Winning cures everything, Ricky. And when the Saints win, those grades will go way up. But they have to win. And I wrote about that today. Man, they need a big offseason here. They need another 2006, 2000-like offseason to get this thing back on track. Now, we'll see if they can do it. We'll see if they can do it. <clears throat> all the uh, all the continued conversations about our new offensive coordinator, he is uh, still very positive, very cerebral. You know, people like what we came up with. I think we interviewed 11 or 12 folks. But when the coach talks about uh, how how drawn he was to, to this guy, it's pretty ob- obvious that he, he was sort of locked on to him early in the process. Got a strong pedigree, the son of Gary Kubiak, who's highly regarded. Uh, Clint Kubiak's a very quiet, cerebral guy. He's a lot like, I hate to say it, like Pete Carmichael. I mean, in other words, he doesn't like the spotlight on him. He just wants to grind on ball. Uh, but he had, comes with a very uh, highly regarded reputation. And, look, he's got his work cut out for him. The Saints, you know, have an aging roster. They don't have a lot of room to move her because of the cap. Uh, but we'll see how it works out. One thing I've said before, and I, I, I know I've reiterated this to you, Ricky, I don't think we're going to see a drastic change in the offense. I think people think they're going to come out and there's going to be this crazy offense I don't think it's going to look a whole lot different than what you've seen. There's going to be some tweaks, some nuances. The way Jeff Ireland said it is it's not going to be different plays. They're going to emphasize the same plays we've been running, just they're going to put a different emphasis on the plays we've been running. That's probably the difference. I think, you know, I think two, two things that stand out in what I've listened to. The first is that he is, uh, they're going to really work on improving the running game. That's got to happen. And That's Gary Kubiak's thing, specialty. Gary Kubiak was one of the best running game coordinators in NFL history. And the second thing is that his ability, he's so cerebral, his ability to call plays and be more strategic about how they're going to attack the other team might improve. Hopefully that, we need yeah. that to improve. We'll yeah. see. We'll We'll see. That's where I say, like, all this stuff I hear, the Saints have been doing that stuff for years. You know, none of this stuff is earth-shattering. You know, running a play that looks this way, and then you run the same play later, it's a different play out of the same look. There's no, not that's nothing new, novel. Jeff Duncan for NOLA.com and the Times Picayune. Thank you for joining us, my friend. All right, Ricky. Have a great weekend. You bet. Hey, when we come back on the other side, we're going to have Martha Allen from Extra Table. We'll see you after this. Talk Mississippi Media Production.